Church is a little bit different today. Today is our Vision Sunday. Typically on the first Sunday of the year, we uh, spend some time going through the vision of our church. We realize that people come into our church at various stages of the year. They don't really know what we're about, who we are, and what we are out to achieve. So we take some time to really speak about the vision and our heart as a church, and I try to tie that in into a sermon as well. Also on the first Sunday of the month, it's an opportunity as well, first Sunday of the month or first Sunday of the year, it's also an opportunity for me to share the vision and the theme for the year as well. So we talk about the vision of the church, but also the direction in which God is taking us this year. So I hope you're settled. I hope you're nice and warm in here this morning. Relax, feel comfortable, you're at home. And for those of you watching online, uh, you're at home literally, so you don't need me to tell you to feel comfortable and relax. Just um, also another thing to add is that towards the end of the service, I'll also give you um, some announcements of what we're um, hoping or looking forward to in the life of our church in the next couple of months in terms of events and gatherings and the like, um, all of course subject to government restrictions. Well, do you have your Bibles, guys? Do you have your Bibles? Fantastic. Well, as I mentioned, today is our Vision Sunday, and I want to begin by telling you a little bit about um, how our church was started. So our church was launched on Sunday, the 3rd of August, 2014. Is there anyone here that was here on that day? Okay, one or two people. Now, incidentally, I don't know if many of you know, but I didn't actually plan to launch the church on that day. The plan was really just to get a group of people together um, kind of have the church like a cell group format, like a fellowship for a good year, build teams, put structures in place, and then launch the following year. But once the announcement had gone forth that we were starting a church on the 3rd of August, people turned up and they were turning up after that and they just saw it as a church. And so we just kind of hit the ground running and there wasn't really time to, to put the structures in place beforehand. It's something that we had to do along the way. Of course, our church is called The Cornerstone. Our name is a combination of two scriptures, Genesis chapter 28, verse 11, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. In Genesis chapter 28 and verse 11, you will read about a man called Jacob. In that scripture, he lays his head to rest upon a stone. And when he lays his head upon that stone to rest, he has a dream. And in this dream, he sees a ladder that's resting on the earth, ascending to the heavens, and he sees angels going up and down uh, to and fro on this ladder. Now, in addition to that, when we read the scripture in Ephesians 2.20, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And so in the same way that uh, Jacob found rest and found significance and found purpose when he laid his head to rest on that stone through that dream, through that vision. Our name is a combination of those two scriptures in that likewise, when we rest in Christ, when we lay our lives down to him, we find rest, we find significance, we find purpose. And if you've been coming to this church for a number of years or even a number of months, you will know that our theme is really centered around the strap line, you our significance and our vision here is all about significance our vision at the cornerstone church is uh, to see mankind live a significant life and we aim to fulfill that uh, vision uh, through what we refer to as the free seas and if you know what the free seas are please say them with me they are what christ 
connection and contribution. Christ, connection and contribution. Let's say that together. Christ, connection and contribution. And so we aim to fulfill that vision and mission through leading people into a relationship with Christ, connection with others and contribution to others. Hence the three C's, Christ, connection and contribution. And so this morning we want to take some time to look at those three C's and how they play out in our lives. So turn with me please to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading verses 3 and 4. And as always, I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 reads as follows. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Through those verses in Timothy, we can see that God desires all men to worship him. And the essence of our lives as individuals and as a church is to be in right relationship with God and to introduce others to him likewise so that they can experience his loving kindness, his mercy and grace upon their life and so that they can also enter into everlasting life with him. In doing so, when we come to Christ, it is then that we find our identity and who he has created us to be. We don't take our identity from the things of the world. We take our identity from Christ. We find rest, we find purpose, and understand that our lives are significant. Now, if you look at our screen, if you look at our logo, maybe you can put the, the, um, the logo up on the screen. Our logo is very simple. It's not anything extremely creative. It's not anything out of the box. But it was something that was given to me actually in a daydream before we launched uh, our church. And this logo actually represents three things that kind of sum up what we are about as a church. Firstly, you will see that this white line that goes through the middle is like a cutaway. And hence we have the corner of a stone and the stone being, of course, the big black uh, box that you can see. So we've got this cutaway, which represents the corner of a stone. So that's one thing that it represents. The other thing that it represents is a narrow path. So you can see that this path is quite narrow. And the Bible tells us that narrow is the path that leads to life. And finally, the third thing that it also represents is a little, a little bit of light, a glimmer of light in the midst of darkness. And we as believers, how many of you know are light in the midst of darkness? How many of you know that? So those are the three things typically that our logo represents. And it is one of those logos where if you looked at it, you wouldn't have a clue what it represents without it being broke down. But um, those are the, the messages that kind of sum up what we are about as a church. Now, I must mention to you also that the name of our church is The Cornerstone. It is not Cornerstone Church. It's not Cornerstone Ministry. It's definitely not the name of a church that I saw the other day, which had Pentecostal International Ministries Limited on it all across the front, and you could just about fit the letters on the side of the minibus. The name of our church is The Cornerstone Church. The the is part of our name, and it's significant because the Bible tells us that Jesus is the cornerstone, not a cornerstone, and not some cornerstone, but he is the, the main thing, the cornerstone, and hence the the is part of our name. Now, when we talk about Christ in our vision, for those of us who are already in Christ, it's actually about having an intentional desire and longing to grow in Christ. 
In the word of God, in John chapter 3, we come across a man who was known as a very intelligent man, if not one of the wisest men in Israel. His name was Nicodemus. He was very wise, very intelligent, but yet also intentional about growing in Christ. So much so that he waits until the hype has died down. He waits until the crowd is gone. And then he goes to Jesus at night and asks the question, how can one be born again and be a follower of Christ? And I want to encourage us, especially as we go into 2021, to step away from the hype, to step away from everything that's being said. Sometimes you might even need to step away from the news and actually focus in and zero in in growing in Christ. We have to be intentional about fueling our desire and growth in him so that we can grow in intimacy with him. After all, the Bible tells us that those who know their God will what? Be strong and do exploits. Amen. So that's the Christ in our vision. What about connection? Well, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 56 and let's read Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 3. So we have Christ and now we're talking about connection. And Isaiah chapter 56 verse 3 says, Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Now when we talk about connection in our vision, it's about learning to connect with others so that you don't find yourself like this scripture metaphorically. The son of a foreigner who is separated from his people or people as a whole. And to sincerely connect with people, you must do three things. How many things? To sincerely connect with people, you must do three things. And these are the three things you must do. Number one, we must appreciate differences. We must appreciate differences. We all know that we are all brought up in life differently and life's experiences shape us all differently. It doesn't mean that you justify everything a person does. It doesn't mean that you necessarily agree with everything that a person does. But it does mean that we should take time to understand that we are all wired and created differently. Now, I don't know if you remember or not, but the 12 disciples had very different personalities, very different personalities. Yet Jesus was able to relate to them in a way they could comprehend. So do me a favor, turn to the person next to you and tell them you are different, but I can appreciate that. All right. Now, Paul said in the word of God, we are one body, many parts. One body, many parts. Now, across the nation here in the UK and England, there are a variety of churches, a variety of churches, some that move heavily in the prophetic, some that move heavily in preaching, and others like ours that focus more on teaching, okay? But various different churches. Now, in the same way the Apostle Paul said we are one body with many parts, he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that because the ear isn't an eye doesn't mean that it's not a part of the body. He goes on to say if the whole body was an ear, then where would our sense of smell be? And if it were an eye, where would our sense of hearing be? In other words, we all have our part to play. And listen, we are not in competition with one another. We are designed to complement one another. 
And I say this because it is immaturity to think that God doesn't move in the teaching because it doesn't have a sense of prophetic as you imagined it to. And there are many people who feel like unless I'm shaking, unless I'm shouting, unless I'm falling to the ground or rolling on the floor, then God isn't moving. Listen, God can move in the solemn and he can move in the loud. Okay, it's just a different expression of how God chooses to move. And likewise, it is immaturity to think that just because it's prophetic and doesn't have a teaching foundation to it, that it isn't of God. God moves in both. Okay, and it's very important that if you're going to connect with others, you appreciate the differences rather than think that your church or your preference or your way of doing it or the way you've been brought up to do it is better than another. We're not in competition with one another as a body. We are there to complement one another. Someone say appreciate differences. The second thing you must do if you're going to connect is you have to be intentional about building relationships. Now we all know that romantic relationships take intentionality, right? When a guy meets a girl, he doesn't just go from zero to 100. He doesn't just go, hi, my name is Kunle, let's get married. It doesn't go from, I hope it doesn't, right? <laughs> right? It takes a process. You spend time talking to the person, getting to know the person, asking the person out on a date or two or three. You spend time connecting and building with that person until you get to a particular stage or level that you are comfortable with. You ask certain questions, you spend time with them and the like. And likewise, for some reason, we think that platonic relationships don't take the same effort and that they're supposed to just fall in place naturally, but that is not true. Likewise, platonic relationships take the same effort. And I always say, and I said this last year, the challenge is, is that the older we get, we have more responsibilities, which means that we have to be even more intentional about sacrificing time to connect with others. Now, when it comes to building relationships and connecting with others, there are some things that I want you to bear in mind, both in the church and just in life in general, whether it's a workplace you step into or a place of study. There are some things that I need you to bear in mind. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask four volunteers to help me. I'm going to ask Olu, I'm going to ask Naomi, Bimpe, if I can borrow you, and Femi as well, please. Thank you very much. Put your hands together for them. Okay, so if you can just stand over, maybe just come over this way, yeah. You might not be able to get them into all shop. You can stand there, yes, thank you. You might not be able to get them in all, all into shop, so that's fine. Now, when it comes to connecting with others, this is an important principle you should bear in mind when it comes to connecting with others in a church setting, but also in any setting you go into, okay? Now, this is what we should do, and I'll explain to you why. When you go into a church setting, so let's say I step into this church, okay, and these people represent people in the church. What you should do when you go into a church setting is cast your net far and wide and try to build relationships with everybody you come across in the church. And by relationships, I'm not talking about like dating or anything like that, cast your net wide, no. That's another story for another day. I'm talking about building connections with others, right? But when you cast your net 
far and wide to connect with people and everybody you come across in the church. We all know realistically that it's not possible for you to connect with everybody on the same level. So what you do is you cast your net far and wide. And so let's say I cast my net far and wide, but actually I set it off and pick it off and grow in my friendships and relationships with Olu and Bimpe. Okay. So I've cast my net far and wide, but actually it's these two that I have a stronger connection with. That's fine, okay? It's not possible for me to have a relationship with everyone else. However, that doesn't mean that I have anything against them. It doesn't mean that I'm better than them or they're better than me. It just happens that we have a stronger sense of connection and commonality, and that's fine. And when you go into a church or a workplace and you find that you have a common connection with some people stronger than others, then we must do what Revelation says, which is strengthen what remains, which means build these friendships. Typically, a lot of people treat church like work. I'll see you on Sunday, I'll see you next Sunday. There's no midweek relationship, there's no midweek connection, there's no midweek friendship, okay? And we have to go beyond church colleagues, all right? So I build this connection with these two, and I grow with that, but I don't have anything against these people now why is it important that when i come into a church setting i cast my net far and wide and try to build connections with everybody as opposed to just one or two people let me tell you why it's important because this is what most people do when they go into a church when they go into a church or a workplace setting what they do is they find someone who they used to go to the same church with they find someone that they connect with and then they close their connection group i'm comfortable with this I don't need no more friends. Friends are effort. I don't need to connect with people. This is all good. I've got these people. The problem with that is what if God sent you to this church to connect with this person? What if the very reason you're here or the very season you're in, you're actually meant to connect with these people? But because you've come in to this connection and you've got comfortable here and you've closed it off, you're no longer open to the people that God wants you to connect with. Let me tell you something. Every time I step into a new job in a workplace, my question is, Lord, why am I here and who do you want me to connect with? Because many a times when we step into a workplace, it's about how can I get a promotion? How can I become a manager? And we totally forget what God is doing on a spiritual level. And actually, God might have sent you that way to connect with someone. If God can send Jonah to go and, and travel to Nineveh to send a message, he can send you to a workplace just to connect with one or two people. And so it's very important that we cast our net far and wide rather than just stick to our own. Because what happens typically in churches is when we stick to our own and then someone else tries to come along, what do we do? We block them out. And then that's how we end up having clicks in church. Whereas Psalm 1331 tells us that it is blessed when brothers dwell together in unity. We are all one family, okay? So we must not be people who form clicks alone but rather understand there are some people yeah we're going to build better connections with them however we are open to anyone and everyone because we don't know what god wants to do in any particular season of our lives okay now here's another thing you need to bear in mind if if you've been in ministry for a while if you've served in churches you will get to a stage in your spiritual walk where actually god might send you to a church and when he sends you to that church you might not connect with many people in that church because he's not actually sent you there to build friendships and relationships per se, as he has used all of your giftings, your experiences and your time in previous churches to now come to a particular church to use that gift to serve and build up a new generation. 
And when God does that, typically what will happen is you will have friends from former churches, you will have friends from Christian events that you've met, you've met people at, and you come into this church, and some people miss it because they think, oh, I don't really have many friends, excuse me, I don't really have many friends here. So therefore, this must not be the church that God wants me to be. Actually, God might have said, these are your friends from your former events, from your former church. Now, when you come here, don't focus so much on friendship and relationship. If it happens, it happens. But actually, you are here to use your giftings and serve and be a blessing to other people. Put your hands together to them. Thank you, guys. And so it's very important that when it comes to connection, we are open to the fact that God could have us connect with anyone and everyone and that's why it's important for us to not forsake the gathering of the assembly so we must appreciate differences we must be intentional and number three if you're going to connect with people you need to be vulnerable you need to be vulnerable listen to me the relationships in life that go beyond association are not just as a result of the length of time or the similar interests that you have with another person. It's more about you being able to connect on a level of transparency and vulnerability with them. I can assure you that the churches that will grow and thrive, and I'm not just talking numerically, because sometimes numerically is not always the sign of a healthy church, okay? But the churches that will grow and be healthy will not be because of the preaching that comes forth from the platform. You can get preaching anywhere. It won't be because of the awesome worship, as awesome as it may be. You can get worship anywhere. You can switch on any type of music in your home, any type of worship. The type of relationships that are going to, the type of churches that are going to grow and thrive is where people can meet genuine people that they can have connection with. When they can come into a space or place where they can feel open to share and not feel judged. Those are the kind of churches that are going to grow. When you can create a space where people can step into it and they feel challenged and they feel supported, then you will see growth. So please be open. Be open with people around you. Be open with your leaders who are in your life to help you so that you can grow. I've always said, and I've said throughout this pandemic, there will always be a space and a place for the local church. There will always be a space and a place for the local church. People say to me, oh, but, you know, everything is online these days. And so you can be at home and you can be in a church in America at one o'clock for your service. And you can be in a church in Africa at three o'clock for your service. And you can enjoy the sermon. I say, yeah, that's great. The only thing is those pastors will not be there to baptize you. They will not be there to marry you. They will not be there to help you on a one-to-one -one basis. And therefore, there will always be a place and space for the local church but the church goes beyond the building it is you and i we are the ecclesia and we all have our part to play in order to help people enter into a space where they can feel vulnerable yet supported and so we have christ we have connection and finally we have contribution so someone say contribution now the true essence of maturity is your ability to not just take but also give back that is the true essence of maturity. A child forever takes. That's all a child does. But when we grow into maturity, we learn to give back. And charity starts at home, as the saying says. And so contribution is about how can I give back to my local church and how can I serve God's kingdom? It is then about how can one contribute to society and how can one 
influence others, especially those who are in a position where they need the help of others. And I've always said there is no way that you would take care of God's business and he wouldn't take care of yours. Otherwise, the word of God would not say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And I just want to say that I am grateful for everyone who has contributed to the approximately £30,000 that we've been able to give out as a church to charities over the last six years. From the Bibles we've given to people in remote parts of China who don't have access to a Bible, to paying off people's debts, to supporting senior citizens, to supporting persecuted Christians and their families and more. I'm grateful for every single person, both in here and online. And I think we should put our hands together and appreciate each and every giver, each and every partner as well. I'm also grateful for those who serve to build God's kingdom. When people actually tithe, when people actually serve, and someone comes to me and, talks to, and tells me how their life has been challenged, how their life has been changed, how they've now encountered Christ, I always think about the individual giver. I always think about the people who serve, because without them, it wouldn't be possible to create an atmosphere in which those people could come in and receive Christ and be changed as well. So I want to appreciate every single person who serves in this church. And again, I think we should give a round of applause to everyone who serves. We can do better than that for everyone who serves and contributes to God's house. And so I want to challenge you that if someone challenges you to serve, please see it as an honor and a privilege that you get to work towards the greatest cause ever, which is souls, okay? And please, you don't even have to wait on to be challenged to serve because the Bible tells us the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. So please think about your giftings and where you can put them to use. In our church, we have a number of different teams in which you can get involved in, from the worship team to the children's team, to finance, to media, to social media, to production and more. And all you have to do is see someone wearing a lanyard, come and speak to any of us in the pastoral team about how you would like to use your giftings to build God's house. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but the free C's, Christ, connection, and contribution are all somewhat measurable, both for yourself and also for us who lead you. So you can always check if you're walking in line with the vision of the house by looking at how you're doing in those free C's. Am I growing in my relationship with Christ and am I in Christ? Is that fruitful? Is that productive? Am I connecting with people in the church or am I just coming and going okay so you can measure it am I contributing am I serving in the church am I serving towards a cause that is bigger than me it is not true service if you're doing it to get it is true service and charity when you're giving to people and serving people and you're not even thinking about what you can get in return and therefore you can always reflect on those free those free seas to see where you are in line uh, with our vision and so finally, in terms of vision and our theme for 2021, our theme for 2021 is two words. It is embracing change. Someone say embracing change. Turn with me, please, to Ezekiel chapter 46. And I'm going to read verse 9. Ezekiel chapter 46, verse 9. It says, but when the people of the land... Come before the Lord on the appointed feast days. Whoever enters by way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. 
And whoever enters by the way of the south gate shall go out by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by way of the gate through which he came, but shall go through the opposite gate. So ladies and gentlemen, in this scripture, whenever they came to the house of the Lord, they would go out the opposite gate in which they came into the house. Okay. So if they came through the north, they would go out the south. If they came through the south, they would go out of the north. Now, some studies and some theologians believe that the reason why this was so was because of order. Okay, they wanted to create order in the house of God. However, that's just one theory. Most other theories, theologians and studies show that there's actually another reason as to why they went out the opposite gate. Most studies show, and if you go and study it in some detail and context, that actually the people would enter the house of God to the entrance which was nearest to where they lived. So wherever they were traveling from, they would enter in the entrance nearest to where they lived. But it was intentional that they went out the opposite gate, the one that was furthest away from them. And the reason why is because whenever you came to the house of the Lord at that time, they wanted you to go out of the furthest gate so that you would have a longer journey back home. And the intention was that if we can make you have a longer journey back home, you have more time to meditate on what you have received in the house of God when you came to the house of God. Does that make sense? So the intention was let's send them out the furthest gate so it takes them longer to go home so that they have more time to meditate on what's been heard. Because if you have more time to meditate on what's been heard, you're more likely to put it into practice and so the focus was we don't just want people who will be hearers of the word we want people who will be doers of the word and my prayer for each and every one of us in here watching online each and every one of us at the cornerstone church is that the way you you entered into this year you will exit another way and i don't mean that yeah that's a great place to say amen and of course, I don't mean that in terms of evil coming before you or the like, as I am talking about things such as your spiritual growth, your relationship with Christ and all the changes that God will have you embrace in the days to come. I pray, according to Joshua chapter one, verse eight, that the words of this book, we will meditate on it day in, day out, that it may not depart from our heart in order for us to live out that which it tells us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd like us to stand, please.